0: Good afternoon, or evening, or should I say. You know what, it's so nice and bright out now that Daylight Savings Time has started that I was confused myself. Let's try that again. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-hosts, Danny Curran and John Reggio, my name is Nick Chiklis, and we're coming to you live every Wednesday night from 7 to 8.30 here on WXVU 891 The Roar, or wherever and whenever you get your podcasts. And uh, gentlemen, another incredibly busy week this week, so let's get right into it. In the NFL, the big move today, uh, the Dolphins acquiring uh, all-pro wide receiver Tyreek Hill uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs for five draft picks uh, in a move that uh, pretty much came out of left field when I uh, woke up this morning and checked my phone and saw that. I was very surprised. Hill has been a a mainstay in Kansas City even before the emergence of Mahomes. He was a A a big weapon for them in the Alex Smith days. Uh, The Chiefs are obviously a contending team uh, right now, trying to win a Super Bowl. We're a fourth quarter, uh, we're a second half collapse away from going to their third straight Super Bowl. I've gone to four straight AFC championships and are still probably, if not, they're they're not the betting favorites to win the AFC. They're definitely up there.
1: So, guys, are you as surprised by this move as I am? Yeah, it feels like it kind of came out of left field, but I mean, we were hearing some. Rumors like a couple months ago about Hill maybe being on the move eventually. And I was surprised that um, the two teams were the two teams that they were that were in the run in the beginning because I think the initial report was that it was the Dolphins and the Jets. But then the Jets deal, like, I'm not going to say unfortunately or not now because I don't know, like, how this is going to turn out in the end because, Nick, I know you used to say that, or you have said, got on the record before saying that Tyreek Hill – isn't a very skilled wide receiver, he's just very fast. Yes. And I, I think
0: I was actually saying that I'm to walk over with Danny today. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's fast and he's a pretty good route runner, but he has no catch radius and no hands.
1: Yeah, so now I think he's gonna be tested with, you know, he doesn't have even when Alex Smith was the quarterback, Alex Smith was a upper tier quarterback and he had arguably well definitely probably the brightest young talent at quarterback on on his side now. But now he's gonna be facing a tough test with Tua. But um, I think the Jets deal, actually, they didn't include a first-round pick in it or something, and that's kind of the reason why, and it's kind of understandable they wouldn't accept the deal if, uh, like, you you probably would expect to get a first for Tyreek Hill, especially like what he's been doing so far. But um, that kind of went how it is. But yeah, I was i was kind of shocked by the move because it, it did come out of nowhere. Like, I went to class and then just got a notification, so I, I want to see how it pans out. Now, there's a... A big question for the Chiefs, who their yeah. number one guy, like it's probably going to be Kelsey, yeah. but from the receiving core, I mean, is it going to be miko Hardman or Juju? Maybe? Juju now. Yeah. Oh, they did yeah. get Juju. Yeah, but I'm not even convinced with Juju. If, like yeah. Juju's kind of tough to evaluate
0: because he had such a good year playing with the last year he played with Antonio Brown, and then his numbers really dropped off. But um, a lot of that could be attributed to Ben Roethlisberger's decline. And now he's going to be in a system where he is not going to be the number one target. It's clearly going to be Travis Kelsey again. So we'll see how he performs there. But, uh, John, kind of your point, uh, this deal is going to be four years, $120 million. Tyree Kill is going— Highest paid receiver. Highest paid receiver. Um, He is going into his age 29 season. So this deal is going to be primarily on the wrong side of 30. As I've mentioned that— obviously this guy is as fast, if not faster, than any wide receiver in the NFL, and that's made him so deadly. And he has a quarterback that can just um, just buy time all day and then pretty much throw the ball just 50 yards by flicking his wrist downfield. Uh, And now you're going to a team with a guy whose who's biggest liability to this point in his NFL career is been arm strength. So if you're doing whatever, if you're scrambling down field for 3 four, uh, four or 5 seconds buying time trying to get open. I don't think Tua is going to be able to hit you first of all, and this speed his speed is going to deteriorate as he gets past 30. It's natural, it happens to any athlete, any wide receiver. And I don't think he has the compl- the supplementary skills in terms of actual like skillability hands, catch rates that I mentioned. And like I said, he's a decent route runner. He's pretty good actually, but he's not at a level of, like, an Amari Cooper route running where it can make up for deficiencies in other areas of his game. So I really don't like this move for the Dolphins. I don't think it synergizes well with their quarterback, and I think they're going to be stuck paying this guy quite a bit of money for um, deteriorating performance on the back end of this deal. Uh, now, I, sorry, Danny, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say that I do like this move for the Dolphins. I think it's clear that they're trying to build their offense around speed. Um I know Mike Kosecki is, you know, considered one of the better tight ends in the NFL, but he's also, his 40 times, also one of the fast faster 40 times in the league. Tyreek Hill, obviously, as, as we mentioned, one of the faster players in all football, if not all sports. And then uh, rookie Jalen Waddle last year, now going to be second year yeah. player, is a stud. And, I mean, I think he set like the, I know he set like the Dolphins record for catches. I don't know if it was the NFL record, but the guy was just, I think it was the rookie record for rookie catches. Rookie record, okay. But he was just a machine last year. Yeah. So... I think and then you you can't forget about Chase Edmonds who they just got from Arizona in their backfield. Yep. So clearly that uh, the Dolphins want to approach this season going going in with an offense that is gonna be able to stretch the field, that's receiver position, and has speed all over all over the all over the field. So the one thing about two, as you said, he isn't one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, but the one thing that at least he was able to do it at Alabama which I'm not trying to say college is the same thing in the as, as the NFL because obviously it's not but he was a very good deep ball thrower. thrower at Alabama. Yes, but you have not you have not seen that yet in the NFL. We haven't seen that yet in the NFL. But they just got the tackle from the Saints Armstead who I who has, is one of the better tackles in the league but has a um, injury he's very very injury prone so I wouldn't expect him to be able to play all 17 seasons. But if he's able to go all seventeen, they also have Connor Williams on the at the other side of tackle. So they've kind of shorted out their offensive line a little. So if you can give Tua time and he can feel comfortable in the pocket, they finally settled on Tua as their quarterback. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick garbage. If, if I don't know why they got rid of Flores, but they've got their new head coach. If they're going all in on Tua, you got you got him the weapons, you got him the offensive line. I feel like this year is a prove it year for Tua. It's yeah. year three. It's very common in the NFL for people uh scouts to start to evaluate their roster and evaluate their um uh, their draft class after 3 years. Mm-hmm. So going into this season, it's it's make or break for Tua. Yeah. I am I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I was a big fan of his coming on to college, so I'm rooting for him. Yeah. I think if the Dolphins defense can be, you know, solid like they've been in the, the past few seasons, I think this offense has a chance to uh to be the difference with with them actually contending for a legitimate playoff spot. Me and Nick were talking about this on the way up. I don't necessarily think they can win the AFC East just because many people think the Bills are or have the have the best roster in all of football. So I think that division belongs to them. But I don't see any. Re- I mean, they beat New England twice last year. Yep. I don't under why why can't they do that again? Um, so I'm I'm not personally too high on the Dolphins, but I do like this move for them. Yeah. We'll
0: we'll get to more of this later. But the AFC is just so, so much stacked. better. It's this is the biggest parity difference between a conference that I've seen since like. Early 2010s NBA, when it was like LeBron and a dumpster fire in the East, and the West was just war. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I you make a good point, uh, a really good point about the um, Dolphins building their offense based on speed, and that is how kind of the Chiefs were a few years ago when they won the Super Bowl. But the overwhelming massive caveat to that is, to attack of is not Patrick Mahomes. And I'm a big Tua guy. I was a huge fan of his at college. I was a huge fan of his in the draft. I've been really stumbling for this guy. But he's just – and this isn't a knock on him. No one's Mahomes. Mahomes is Mahomes. He's one of one. But he, you need that guy that could, in my opinion, go out, scramble by time, is a threat with his legs, and, oh, yeah, has a gun for an arm and can rocket it all over the field wherever he wants, whenever he wants. That kind of backyard football, quote-unquote, that the Chiefs play, really plays into that speed offense.
2: So That's, it, a, that's a very good point because there's one thing that I want to say is – as you, as you said, Mahomes is one of one. So the whole, like, I just remember one play that stands out. I believe it was in the Chiefs' Super Bowl season where um, they are playing the Ravens at home, and I think the Ravens were up a touchdown in the fourth quarter. It was like fourth down for Kansas City. And Mahomes literally just looked like a 12-year-old in his backyard running around, running around, giving t- – whatever – Play Andy Reid drew up for Tyreek Hill was not the play. I mean, he the route they Ravens had it perfectly covered, and Tyreek Hill, the fastest player on the planet, got open, and Mahomes with a cannon on his right arm was able to find him. That type of th- those type of plays you're not going to see in Miami. So, uh, I I saw this on Twitter all day today. I think we just have to acknowledge that the Mahomes Tyreek Hill connection for the four seasons has to be one of the better Best. ones yeah. in recent. It was memory. special. Yeah, it, was true. it was special. special. Yep.
0: And I'm cur- I'm curious to see what, and a lot of, a lot of people have said like uh, like that they're kind of products of the other. They're they're really gaudy stats. I don't think that, but I am curious to see how each performs without the other. Yeah, yeah um, I, I agree. Yeah,
1: so I, yeah. I, I do I do think it's interesting the way the Dolphins are kind of handling the off season, because they didn't have like any depth at running back, and all of a sudden you know they pick up Chase Edmonds, and I think Raheem Mostert's on the team now, so they've got like pretty much three. Three backs you can kind of interchange there. No one that's really going to stand out. But, I, like, the money that you're paying for Tyreek Hill right now, I'm wondering if that could have been went towards, like, their pass rush because they have one of the worst pass rushers in the league and uh, kind of just solidifying that and making them, you know, just more of a solid team in general other than picking up this big name because, you know, it's hard for one guy to completely change a team around. But if you get two defensive linemen that can all of a sudden, like, create more stops on defense, it, it might be better. But, I mean, you're, you have Tyreek Hill now. So, it's, it's probably not too bad of a thing.
2: One thing that stood out to me about this trade is the Packers got – I don't want to say nothing, but what was it, two first-round picks or was it one for it was, uh, It's t- It was
0: uh, two, like, what, premier picks, they called it. I don't even know if they're first-round <laughs> picks. Like, <laughs> whatever the, that The means.
1: Chiefs
2: yeah. got more for Tyreek Hill than the Packers did for the best receiver in football.
0: Yeah, that is uh –
2: so, I think one of the major losers of this trade has to be Green Bay, their organization, their fans, because they got to be shaking their head after just, you know, giving away – you get Rodgers back, presuming that Devontae Adams – First
0: and back. second this year.
2: First and second this year, that's it? Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, <laughs> Tyreek Hill is a great player, but I don't even think he's a top-five receiver in the league when, I, in my opinion, Devontae Adams is the unquestioned number one. So – this is uh, the Packers seem to be one of the major yeah. losers. Yeah,
0: um, the the Chiefs got the Dolphins first. Uh, got I
2: think it was five picks.
0: It's uh, a first round pick this year, a second round pick. These aren't the Dolphins picks since it's twenty ninth overall. That's a Niners pick. Yeah, that's a Niners pick. That yeah yeah that's a that's a Niners pick from when they traded up for Trey Lance. I think yeah. So they have. The Niners' first-round pick, the Dolphins' second-round pick, the Dolphins' fourth-round pick, and fourth- and sixth-round picks next year. So, yeah, the Chiefs uh, definitely have capital to either uh, make an additional trade with that or just acquire talent through the draft to reload and get ready to go to contend for another season.
2: And I just want to clarify this real quick, but I think the Tyreek Hill deal is, yeah, four years, 120 mil. If I'm the Chiefs, I don't know. Like, Des Bryant tweeted this today, and I know – what does he know? But he was like, the Chiefs, what are you – like, I feel like you, you still got Mahomes, you still got Kelsey, but Tyreek Hill just makes that offense – So much s- better. Like, special. Yep. And I would have paid him that much. Like, $120 million is obviously a boatload of money, but, like, in today's NFL, it's not that much. So, if I was the Chiefs, I probably would have done everything I can to hold on to uh, Tyreek, but – I'm not an NFL GM. Yeah. I'm not an NFL Super GM. Yeah, su- because no Super one's
1: no one's really gonna be getting double teamed and the, the out of the wide receivers. Yeah, but, uh, the receivers. You know, you. Yeah, you're not gonna. It, there's a big Hardman. difference you're between having. Juju. There's a big difference between having to cu- like worry about one guy going down the field than yeah, like yeah. two superstars. I mean, Hardman and Pringle are both fast. They're both like, yeah. faster. Yeah. of the receivers, but they're from. not Tyree Hill. Yeah, they're not.
0: You're exactly right. Uh, I I will say I'd be very surprised. If Patrick Mahomes did not okay this in some manner, if your franchise guy that you're giving half a billion dollars did not like was not consulted in this at all.
2: Yeah, no, they definitely ran it by him. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I want to move on because we got a lot to cover today. Uh so uh two more big NFL moves I wanna discuss. Uh the Deshaun Watson um situation seemingly coming to an end here, being traded. To the Cleveland Browns, looks like Baker Mayfield's on his way out of Cleveland, which is something that we discussed maybe possibly happening during the season, but I don't really think any of us thought it was a legitimate threat to happen. Uh, Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. Uh, Three first-round picks heading back to Houston. This is the first time three first-round picks have been sent to one team in the NFL since the Herschel Walker trade, uh, which is, I believe, 30 or so years ago. And uh, Deshaun Watson, I b- I'm trying to find the exact numbers on his contract, but it is a yeah five-year, $230 million hmm. fully guaranteed deal, which is the absolutely shocking part to me uh, that it's going to be completely guaranteed for a guy with this much controversy swirling around him. But at the same time, when this guy played uh, two seasons ago, he was a consensus top-five quarterback in the NFL. He's only going to be 27 this year. He's going to a much-improved roster versus what he had in Houston. What do you guys think of the Browns' chances to win the division and to compete deep into the playoffs this year?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to 100% be better. There's the, there is the whole question about like Watson's off-the-field stuff, apparently, but that hasn't stopped the Browns in the past with Kareem Hunt. And you kind of see how that worked out in the future, Yeah, just picking up a guy like that. I mean, you have a two-headed monster at running back that just can plow, plow down teams. And now picking up to Sean Watson. I mean I a lot of people myself included just kind of forgot about him this past season and forgot like the things that he accomplished in in Texas like only a couple of years ago. And I mean he hasn't played football in a year but you would you can't think that he's going to regress like in, insanely in a year. Mm-hmm. But now I mean you lose Odell obviously and Jarvis Landry gets cut, but you bring in Amari Cooper. Cooper. Um you still have your two great running backs, solid tight end. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to have weapons out there. Yeah. And then, you know, one thing about Texas is he did have uh, what's his name at receiver, Brandon Cooks. Well, Bra- yeah, he had Brandon Hopkins. Cooks. Had DeAndre, yeah, DeAndre. and too. DeAndre Hopkins. So like he had weapons, but you know the team wasn't as complete by yeah. any means, and he still like, yeah. he still won with them.
0: Well, I mean, versus his last year there after they traded Hopkins, when they I think they went they went four and twelve.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, but.
2: Yeah, you're, you're exactly but right. They sound, did have Hopkins. But it sounds like but he has nothing in. He
0: did have nothing. You're right to work with right yeah. now. You're right, but I would. I obviously at the time Hopkins was probably the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, but um, it's definitely a more complete offense than he had in Houston, even with um, Hopkins. I, I I always forget how much Brandon Cooks gets, got like kicked around, yeah. I, like uh, from, was, going it, from team to team. It was it was, what, it was it was Saints, Patriots, Rams, Rams Texans, I think. Yeah, it was. I remember was four teams in four years. Yeah, I think he yeah. was a thousand yard receiver at all four teams. <laughs> and like, dude, like, like he's good. Like clearly, I don't know why everyone's like
2: training this poor guy. But uh, I, I mean, as long as Deshaun Watson can get all of his legal stuff figured out and he's actually playing a full season next year, I think the Browns are one hundred percent bona fide Super Bowl contenders. Their division in the AFC North is one of the best in football. I mean, the Bengals obviously. Won the AFC this year, made it to the Super Bowl. I can maybe see a little regression coming from them <clears throat> this upcoming season, but we can't forget how injured the Ravens were all season. Yep. So they're going to be healthy, fully loaded. The Ravens are yep. definitely a contender in that division. And the Steelers, who knows what they're going to do at quarterback. Uh, you know, <clears throat> just traded for Mitch Trubisky, yep. but <clears throat> sorry about that. You yeah, all right? My throat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just traded for Mitch Trubisky. I've been seeing some things that maybe Baker Mayfield would be a fit there, but I feel there's like no in. way the Browns move yeah. him in division. Those are two like no. I saw that the Steelers request said they would take Baker, but the Browns have to pay Baker's contract, and I don't know if the Browns have, have responded to that. But that's something I saw today. So I think the Browns uh, have to be the favorites in the division. They have one of the best offensive lines in football, probably the best running back duo in football, and Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb a bona fide top five quarterback, and a solid defense. So that's – but people throw around the term super team, super team. I mean, show me a better super team. I mean, that roster is loaded. So I think they have to be up there with the Bills and the Chiefs. And the I mean, I think Deshaun Watson is that good. And assuming that he didn't figure out how to play football in his year off and he's still <laughs> yeah. the Deshaun Watson I mean, that know. we saw in yeah. 2020, like the Browns are legit.
0: But yeah.
2: I don't think anything is finalized on this legal stuff. I'm not following it closely, but I just—I don't know. I don't understand how 20 yeah. women, ca- whatever. We're not going to. Yeah, that. we're not. Yeah. But um, yeah, this trade for Cleveland, I love it. And being a Lions fan, I've always kind of just rooted for the Browns just because I know how tough it is to have your team suck every single year. <laughs> so I would be happy for the Browns if they if they went on a run at a Super Bowl for for Super Bowl next year, but. Uh, yeah, the they they got to figure they got to make sure Watson is all clear and ready to roll. But this this yep. contract is heavy. I saw something that the uh, Sean Watson gets a fully guaranteed five year, two hundred thirty mil. Yep. That is eighty million more than the previous record for fully guaranteed money.
0: Yeah, I was very surprised. I, and the thing about NFL contracts is just like the way that it works with cutting them, cutting players, and like restructuring. That a lot of it doesn't wind up being seen all the way through but this is fully guaranteed. The Browns have to pay him this. Yeah. So I was very surprised in that regard. Uh one more big move I want to talk about, um Matt Ryan to the Colts. Uh you got long-time listeners of the show know how I feel about Carson Wentz. I think the Colts just went from the most overrated quarterback in the NFL to the most underrated. Matt Ryan, uh the stats weren't at phenomenal this year, but he was operating with one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Uh, he's played behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL for three or four years now. Uh, he was sacked, I believe, yeah, he was sacked in NFL, he's been sacked 40 times each of the last four seasons, uh, leading the league with 48 in 2019, um, and, yeah. I didn't know that. In, uh, in 20, as recently as 2020, he led the NFL in, in, um, in completions and attempts. So this is, and he led the NFL in 2019 in completions without leading the NFL in attempts. So this is clearly a guy that can uh, still sling it. And I think, and you just you can just watch his deep ball from this year, and it was still impressive. I think that this is exactly what the Colts needed. Um, they're putting him behind an excellent offensive line, going from his horrible offensive line as a pocket passer—that's a death sentence—to an excellent offensive line. Uh, one of the best running backs in the league. Phenomenal defense. I think uh this is my hot take. I text to both of these guys off the air. My hot take is the Brett Colts are one good wide receiver away from being a top 3 team in the NFL. They have to get the good wide I think they're already top they're already top 6 6 or 7, but if they get a good wide receiver they are top 3.
2: I agree, but I think the wide receiver position is the most wide receiver and running back are probably the most replaceable, I would say, in all of football. I feel like maybe I was just wrong about Wentz and he wasn't maybe as good as I thought he was because Michael Pittman, I think last year was his second year, so going into his third. T.Y. Hilton's really getting up there in age, so I think the He's a
0: free agent. They don't, it's unclear. But he, if he's
2: been a, a key cog in that yeah. locker room for, you know, I think this is like their fifth quarterback in five years. I mean, we're going back to the Andrew Luck days. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton was their guy, so— I think they should do everything they can to keep him, and I'm sure he feels the same, that he would play for very little money. But with that offensive line um, and Jonathan Taylor and a very, very solid defense, I think one move that I would keep an eye on for – Indianapolis I think they should go after Bobby Wagner. He had 170 tackles uh, this past season, which was third in the NFL. I'm not really sure what the Seahawks were doing in cutting him. I guess just trying to clean house and move on to a, a completely new era of Seahawks football. But in my opinion, he's still one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Over the past three seasons, he leads the NFL in tackles. So if you pair Bobby Wagner with Darius Leonard, like that is scary. Yep. So I would go after him more so than a, than a receiver. But
0: I mean, I think they still have forty million dollars of cap. They can go
2: for both. Yeah, they can go for both. I mean, the Colts are, uh, as I said on last time I was on the show, it's very telling that they kind of went all in on Wentz and after one year decided to cut ties. So I, I feel like that tells you a lot about how they feel about Carson Wentz and how they feel about their team and needing a, a true, you know, playoffs, Super Bowl playoffs slash Super Bowl quarterback to take them over the hump. Um, so yeah, I really like this move for Indianapolis. The Falcons though the cap hit for Matt Ryan is yikes yikes the Falcons are going and Marcus Mariota is like not going to be mean or anything but like that's your starting quarterback like okay here comes the first pick in the draft Falcons uh. like I mean he threw what? a touchdown
0: pass to himself in the playoffs that was pretty cool
2: like oh my goodness uh, I think they have um, Arthur Smith the offensive coordinator from Tennessee is their coach uh, was it is this is this is going to be his first year correct. Uh, I don't think they fired. I think it's the second year. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's second. It's second. I think it's second. But, so he seems to be a, a very offensive-minded head coach. So, I would definitely look at the Falcons for drafting a quarterback early in the draft, whether that be Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, one of those two. They seem to be the consensus top two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I'm Atlanta, I draft one of those two and see what you got there, and may, hopefully he's the next Matt Ryan. But one thing yeah. that I – I was watching Colin Coward yesterday. and I did not realize Matt Ryan has been in the NFL or has been on the Falcons for fourteen, 14 years.
0: He is the best quarterback in franchise history. Like
2: that flew by. Yeah. Like I thought Stafford was on the Lions for a long time, and he was thirteen. Matt Ryan one up. Like, oh <laughs> my god.
0: Well, I think Stafford's thirteen years probably felt a little longer <laughs> yeah. than Matt Ryan's fourteen. Yeah. No offense, but, Daniel.
2: <laughs> like, gee, it actually, may have been twelve. Yeah, I think it's like, it twelve. But, like, man, oh, man. So I'm happy for Matt Ryan. Yeah. Um. I'm hoping that the cuz Col- I was big on the Colts last year. Um I'm hoping they can win yeah. the AFC South and actually yeah. make a f- cuz I hate the Titans. So make a run win yeah. the AFC South and make a run in the a- in the AFC. Uh, yeah. Uh John, any thoughts on this?
0: Nothing that Danny didn't say already. All right. Just uh we have to move we have to move on to college basketball, but one last thing I want to note. The AFC uh assuming, apologies John, assuming the Jets won't make it and assuming the Texans and Jaguars Old won't assumption. make it, which are I think fair bets here. Six of these teams will not make the playoffs. The Bills, the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Browns, the Ravens, the Titans, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos. Six of those teams, and I think all of those 13 teams are really, really good teams. Six of those teams will not make
1: the
2: playoffs. Wow, that's... It's a loaded conference. Yeah. Yeah. and like I happen to be a Lions fan.
1: Yeah, like I mean, just they should like, have an NIT tournament. Like, for, t- yeah, for take those
2: a
0: team like don't make it. take a team like the Raiders. They went ten and seven last year. Didn't play the most robust schedule, but they went ten and seven, made the playoffs, have their franchise quarterback, have an excellent wide receiver, Darren Waller, solid defense. I can't give them a chance to make the playoffs.
2: I, I forgot can't. about Devonte Adams.
0: And now they have Devontae oh, – Well, oh, you're you're right. So maybe they do have a chance now that they got Devontae Adams. <laughs> exactly, proving my point even further. But they like add Devontae Adams, and they're they're probably a long shot, right?
2: They have to be I mean, a long yeah. shot to make the playoffs. There's two teams. They're the, they're the favorite they're, to be fourth in their, in their division. I assume the Chargers are out of yeah, I don't know
0: anymore. Somewhere. Yeah, with that AFC West, my god, <laughs> my god. Yeah,
2: that's insane.
0: Yeah, like the the Raiders have one of the better, probably have one of the better offenses, probably a top ten offense now with Devontae Adams and. Uh, you're they're probably five to one to make the playoffs, and you're gonna, in the NFC. You're gonna have <laughs> you're gonna have some bad teams make the playoffs in the NFC this year, man. You're gonna have some bad teams. It's, I'm not uh,
2: complaining. Maybe the Leos backdoor slide yeah. in. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the Giants
0: fall. Uh, you <laughs> know what? Backwards in there, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, March Madness, the tournament. Have to get into it. Um, I want to start obviously because this is a start? Uh, so I want so much. I want to start, there's so much happened, but since we're sitting uh, about 20 feet from Villanova's main dining room, I think we have to start with the Wildcats. Uh, two impressive wins that uh, required a lot more sweating than I think Wildcat fans would have appreciated, especially in the second half against Ohio State, nearly blowing a uh, 15 point. We did blow it. They did, uh, we did lose the lead. Yeah, it was a tie game at, at one point. So they uh, lost a 15-point lead, still found a way to win by 10. Uh, John's boy, Eric Dixon, that he has been stumping for since August with the biggest shot of his life to yep. ice the game yep. with about a, a little over a minute left from three to give it, make it an eight-point game. Uh, D- Udell came out a little sluggish out of the gate, couldn't really make a shot early, but uh, shots started falling at the end of the first half, and then just vastly superior team ran him out of the gym in the second half. So... Um. What so? What are your takeaways from the two games that Villanova played this uh, this past weekend?
1: Yeah, I'll say with the Delaware one, I wasn't particularly worried in the in the beginning when they were up like what were they up by? I think up seven. by they seven. They were seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah, but I if they were if they were still competing at half, it would have been a different story. But I I figured it was just Dylan Painter kind of knowing the system over there yeah. and kind of forming game plan, but then Jay adapting to yeah. it.
0: Villanova is so deadly in the last five minutes of the first half, and that's when they ended that game. They went up; that was Delaware's best punch, yep. and Villanova went into locker
1: room up ten. That they didn't need to play the second half. Yeah, yeah. So, i i fi- I figured we kind of did what we had to do that game. There wasn't too much to take away from that. But the Ohio State game, on the other hand, we've had problems with the Big Ten in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that was the first time we beat a Big Ten team the whole time we've been here. I think we played. Michigan freshman year we lost. We played that Purdue. We played Purdue twice. Once this year we lost, once in the tournament, freshman year, and we lost. And then we played Ohio State. In the Ohio, Ohio State season. sophomore year, and then we got blown out. So I think this whole this whole time that we've been here, we haven't beaten a big a Big Ten team. You can fact check me. On I, it. I'm, I'm just, going to fact yeah, check on you. Please continue. do. So I was a little bit worried going in, but you know they kind of came out of the gate firing. It didn't seem like Ohio State had an answer for us in the very beginning, but they came back and really had some defensive stands there, and all of a sudden their offense picked up. Like they couldn't they couldn't miss a mid-range at some point in the second half. And that's when you kind of worry a little bit. And it was kind of just going back to the idea that with Villanova, we have these 15-point leads, 10, 15-point leads, and we just don't know how to hold them at some points against these decent teams. Like, we just let them right back in, and we don't really have that turner kid type of player to stop the bleeding. And it's fortunate that we are able to kind of stop it at some point in the second half and come around and win by 10 like it looks like a healthy margin but it was a lot closer than it probably seems like it was yeah especially down the stretch in those last 5 minutes but you move on and hopefully that you can kind of take something from that game going into the future Michigan a team that like arguably shouldn't even be in this tournament is going and facing off against us and now you know, they've got size and that's the one thing. Yeah, Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson, their best player is seven foot one. So it's a, if we contain him, I think we've got a chance. But uh, there are gonna be possessions where you have to just concede a two. So you can't you can't be folding under some of the moments. So,
2: if Villanova truly has national championship aspirations, I don't want to put too much stock in the Delaware game, 15 seed, making the tournament for the first time in a long time. Good win. I think the one thing you can take out of it is Villanova clearly looked a little nervous coming out of the gates. Delaware punched him in the mouth pretty hard, responded like a a good uh, championship veteran team responds. So, you got to give the Cats props for that one. Moving on to the Ohio State game I was personally very worried Because Ohio State has size And EJ Liddell was the best player on the floor So In March when you don't have the best player on the floor uh, That's concerning And I Thought Villanova was going to win But I thought it was going to be really close And as we said The 10 point win If you actually watch the game Second half was very very We were sweating it out as, as Nova fans But I feel like the The key Thing you got to take out of the game is at the end in winning time when you're up two, you're, you got Jermaine Samuels and Eric Dixon diving all over the place, getting loose balls, Gillespie hitting big shots. Eric Dixon, who you know, people say he can't shoot. I think I saw he's like shooting like north of 40. is the highest percentage yeah, from, on the team. It's like it's not, it, it's not a high
0: volume, and like all of his shots are open threes. But if you leave, if you like, leave him open,
1: well, let, if you leave him open, he's gonna take the shot and he's yeah. gonna make it at a really good rate. So. One thing I noticed during the season was there there were points where he would have that shot and not take it. So I wonder if there there was like an aspect of kind of saving it for when it counts. Well, he was like there were a couple. Like I get it off get it off the scouting report maybe. Maybe two. Yeah, Honestly. he had
0: two against Ohio State, but he had that shot to take probably three or four times, yeah. and he only took it the two times. And did he only take two or did he miss one? Uh, I know he made two. I don't know. Anyway, but uh, he had that shot more than he took it. So I don't know if that's gonna. If Michigan's going to give him that shot. Uh, but, I mean, if, like, he's just, you know, he's been competent and, like, better than competent. He's been making open threes in a really, really good clip. So, if he can space the floor, that's huge. But, yeah, like, it's there for him. He should keep taking them. He can shoot. It's not, it's not like, you know, like, no offense, buddy. It's not like Chris Arch out there. he give him the open shot and it doesn't go in. But,
2: <laughs> but one thing, yeah, as I said, the seniors really – or Eric Dixon's obviously not a senior, but you really saw the Villanova championship pedigree down the stretch against Ohio State. I feel like a lot of teams would have panicked in that in that moment, in that situation. Buckeye fans getting loud, cut a 15-point lead down to two. To be able to respond and, and close the game out like that, That's that's got a championship team written all over it. But I do have to say, um, when Nova was up – I think it was they, – they were up to before – I think Gillespie got fouled to yeah. – uh, and made John, it was never to... tied,
0: I think. Yeah, it was a 2 point game.
2: To make two free throws, to put it to a four-point four game. Ohio State had like a couple possessions there where they had a chance to, I think, tie the game, and they were getting good looks. They just weren't falling. So that's where I was really holding my breath. But after Ohio State, you know, kind of missed out on that opportunity, Villanova took command. Uh, Villanova basketball, Fortune 500 company, <laughs> <laughs> stepping up when, the, when uh, the moment's the brightest. But here's one thing that I do have to – Say, Caleb Daniels has played phenomenal over the past month. Really stepped up. Yes. Honestly, been one of the better players yep, on Villanova's team. Brandon Slater, yep. Zero points, zero rebounds, one assist, two steals, two turnovers, four fouls. You do that uh, tomorrow night. Pack the bags. We're going home. That can't happen. Yeah. So he's got to play better. Yep. I don't really know how I can beat her on the bush. And there's there's no way I can. He has to play better. When you get twenty from Gillespie. 17 from Samuels, 13 from Dixon, and 11 from Caleb Daniels. Game should be will, over. You will get by. It, Michigan is a – I hate them more than anything in the entire world, but they're a good basketball team, and Hunter <laughs> Dixon is a very good player. So it's. I don't think it's going to be – Hunter Dickinson is a very good player. I don't think it's going to be all Dixon on Dickinson tomorrow. I think Slater is going to have to help. And if he can't rebound, if he can't give you some scoring, I think we might be in trouble. So he has to step up. We've been very high on him on this show all year because he's yep. had a very good year, but he's, he hasn't been playing great. Yep. In the over the past couple of weeks, he actually had a he had a nice Big East tournament. So I don't know what I was saying there. But against Ohio State, that would, yep. he can't do that. He got to stay. He, also, the Bigs have to stay out of foul trouble because if Dixon has two picks up two quick fouls the first six minutes and Slater's picking up two, we're screwed. So got to stay out of foul trouble. Yep. Gotta guard Dick- Dickinson, and I yeah. think we're fine. Stop yeah. him, and we win the game.
0: A lot of I think a lot of Slater's struggles were foul trouble and just kind of getting out of the rhythm. Uh, as you mentioned, he had four personals, but only played 21 minutes. Caleb Daniels had played 34. Uh, per reference, he actually played the second most minutes of the. He played yeah, tied for second most. Only Samus Gillespie played more. Um, but yes, I absolutely agree. I said on the show last week that if he's a ten a night guy for Villanova, that's a championship team, and he had as many points as I did. On Sunday, (laughs) so uh, definitely can't have him do that again. And uh, like as a team, Villanova shot well, but that is because um, I I've ripped on this guy a ton on this show. That is because mostly because of Jermaine Samuels stepping up and having like a a career game. Honestly, biggest performance I can remember out of him: seven of nine from the floor, seventeen points, eight rebounds. That is, uh, like, he's had better statistical games, the 29 against Marquette standout, but when you consider a situation, that's probably the best game of his Villanova career. And uh, I, if he does not play that aggressively, and we've talked about him needing to play aggressively on the show many times, I don't think Villanova wins that game. So I am really grateful for that, but Justin Moore's got to shoot better. Colin Gillespie, um, like, he made some big shots at the end and was perfect 8 of 8 from the free throw line, but he's got to shoot a little better, I think. He was 5 of 14, so um, I don't know. I think the like the nature of this tournament is like traditional wisdom is that as you go deeper, the opponents get better. I think Ohio State is probably a little bit better of a team is probably a better team than Michigan, but the matchup is very challenging due to the size that Michigan has. But I don't think uh, Dickinson is as good of a player as Liddell. Uh, so uh, yep, I'm feeling I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. We'll say for Michigan, but uh, this is again. A team that will pose a real challenge. Uh, when my mom asked me before tip, against Ohio State. What's your prediction? I said close win. Uh, that's what I'm going with again. This is this is gonna this is not going to be easy, but Villanova plays Villanova basketball and they should win.
1: Yeah, we're. G- I think you're going to have to look for the double team down low when Dickinson's in the post because um, I know against Ohio State, um, their big guy, I forget his name. It was like Zay something. It was him and Liddell would go in the post sometimes and then uh on Dixon. And, like, Big E got exposed a little bit sometimes. He, yep. would, he wouldn't be able to catch up to the spin moves. And I was watching a video, and I think that um, Michigan's Dickinson, he, like, his signature move in the post is to, like, kind of fake you out with a spin move. So I think the only way you can take that – like, I don't think Garrick Dixon is going to be able to cover that one-on-one if he's getting back down in the post. So you might have to send the guy in to help. So um, I don't know. I think Michigan's, like, a decent three-point shooting team. So I, th- I th- imagine there's going to be – 34% o- o- as a team. Yeah, imagine there are going to be guys open on the perimeter sometimes yeah. if we're sending the help. Yeah. So, you know, that's where they could. That's where Michigan could thrive if they start hitting the three. I. I don't know if Dickinson's going to have a huge game because uh, obviously a lot of your game plan is going to be going around, kind of stopping him. Mm-hmm. But um, they're le- they're an 11 yeah. seed for a reason. They yeah, have had, they were 7-14 for a reason. Yeah, they had good wins, but um, I think this whole season Michigan, I'm gonna I'll knock on wood. But I don't think they've won more than two games in a row the entire season. I read. I remember so. this is their first time winning back-to-back games in like a month and a half. Yeah,
0: uh, they won three games in a row uh, towards the middle of their season against Maryland, Indiana, and Northwestern. So,
1: all right, so once
0: that is not the strongest yeah. schedule of opponent there either.
2: The one thing that I think, or there's many things Villanova has going for them tomorrow, but one thing that stands out to me is I would rather walk across the street to Jake Nevin Fieldhouse and take all the teams playing in the A-League and put them up against the Big Ten. I'd I'd take the A-League. The Big Ten is an absolute joke. They suck. Okay? Wake me up. We were were in our mom's – we had a binky in our mouth last time the Big Ten won a national championship. Okay? So they're a horrible conference. So Michigan – here's one thing that I said going into the tournament. Everyone was so high on uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee underseeded. They're one. They're a one seed at best. Uh, number one, two seed at worst. Get out of here! Like, oh my! I I picked Richmond to beat Iowa, and I picked uh, Colorado State, which obviously Michigan beat them to beat Tennessee. So as soon as somebody gets uh, and also everyone starts hating on Michigan, how are they in? How are they in? Boom! Sweet sixteen. So go against what the public thinks. Michigan, I don't think they're a great basketball team. They were 17-14 and 14 in the regular season for a reason. I don't think they yep. deserve a spot in the tournament. They yep. definitely didn't deserve a spot. I bond. saw the first four, yep. Um, so was, if Villanova plays well tomorrow and they don't just have the one game that scares us all where they just go 7-40 of 40 from three, yep. they just make shots and don't turn the ball over and contain Dickinson to the best of their ability, stay out of foul trouble, yeah. I really don't see a way in which – unless Michigan comes out scorching hot and shoots 70% 70 from three, I do not see a way in which Villanova loses.
0: All right. Um- Danny, uh, those are impressive upset picks, but since you missed the show last week, do you want to share
2: with our listeners uh, what your national championship oh, yeah. game was That you're, uh,
0: since you're so proud of your bracket?
2: My national championship game was the Connecticut Huskies beating the San Diego State Aztecs. And <laughs> how many games
0: did those two teams win combined this They weekend? won
2: zero. They both lost. <laughs> I didn't do any money on my bracket because I wanted to have fun with it, And because last year I was so mad when Illinois lost. I had money on my bracket, and I just wasn't going to go through that this year. So I went crazy, picked a ton of upsets, had Miami in my Elite Eight. Boom, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – the tournament's been crazy fun so far, and I'm just so happy to see the Big Ten just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, blank the bed. I'm just, I've just loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope it, I, they got – they're the best conference in the country, bro. Look, what are you – come on, the Big Ten, they're the best. Two teams in the Sweet 16, and if St. Peter's can take care of business, there will be zero going to the Elite Eight. Um, so yeah, I've loved the tournament; it's been a lot yeah. of fun. Let's uh, continue to root against take the big care 10. business. Uh,
0: yeah, one last note against Michigan about Michigan before we move on. Um, this Hunter Dickinson isn't like a guy that you could just hack. Though no, he's not no. a big guy that you can just hack. He shoots 80 yeah, percent from the good, line. He's a good foul shooter. and uh, they do have decent depth in scoring. They have ten; they have four guys in double figures. Uh, the Eli Brooks, Devontae Jones, the starting backcourt, and then forward Caleb Houston. Houston, I don't know. But, yeah. He actually only, this guy only shoots uh, Houston. Houston only shoots 38.5% from the floor, though. So, not an efficient score. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, that Houston-Arizona matchup. because before, wait, hope, before we go on to that, I can say one yeah. thing. Sure.
2: La- one last thing about Villanova. Jermaine Samuels has, me and Nicholas have been very uh, tough on him all yeah. year. But he has stepped up. You have to give credit where credit's due, like, past month, he has played the type of basketball that he is capable of where he's aggressive, he wants the ball, when he gets it, he looks to score instead of instantly looking to pass. One thing that I want to see from him tomorrow is the amount of times where Jermaine Samuels will have a wide-open three and he just won't shoot it and he'll do that pump fake and drive. I want to see him shoot it more because he's a good shooter. He can knock him down. I get it He can because he's so big, so athletic, he can get to the rim, which I like it Has that little pump fake move. I just When he gets the ball down low, take it up strong, and I want to see Jermaine let it rip from three a little because he can make them. And if he does that, if Jermaine plays well, I think, I think Villanova goes as far as Jermaine Samuels takes him. If he conti- if he plays like he did against UConn, in the in the Big East, twenty one points, twelve boards. There's not many teams in America that compete Villanova. Yep. So if he keeps playing at this high level, I think Nova, there's no reason why Nova can't win at all. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, want to talk about Houston, Arizona,
0: because obviously, um, should the Cats take care of business, that's who they would get in the Elite Eight. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people. Are uh, taking Houston to win this game, and I I understand Including why. Including Vegas, yeah, Vegas. They're are they?
2: No, no, no. But okay. most people would assume that one versus five, five. Yeah, they're all.
0: Yeah, they're Houston is uh, only catching a point and a half. The ESPN matchup predictor, which is you know just the, the best thing in the world, obviously the <laughs> most accurate. Yeah, crystal ball actually favors Easily. Houston sixty one percent to thirty nine. Um, and I I understand why Arizona has not looked particularly impressive. You obviously a sixteen seed to sixteen seed, but that game against TCU was one of the most wild games of the weekend, and um, I just I just want to holy ref ball, um, first of all. But the the this is a great natural segue. The officiating in this tournament it's been oh, awful. awful, absolutely horrible, and the the where you really saw it come to light was that game, and Baylor UNC
2: and the the Notre Dame Alabama, which was before the. Uh, TCU Arizona, same exact ref. So yeah. whatever they do, if you're paying them money, let's stop that and let's never te- <laughs> let's never let them officiate the NCAA.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jay Bill has said that like Baylor, UNC are playing like a physical game. It's not basketball, it's rugby. And I'd be kind of inclined to agree. Listen, Baylor for the last two seasons has just been allowed to hand check kind of like um however much they want. And like an ESPN article was talking about like well the refs are like like the, like it's like how are the officials like supposed to call foul on, if, on every possession, if there's a foul, uh, dude, this isn't men's C League intramural basketball in Jake Nevin Fieldhouse. This is the NCAA tournament. If <laughs> Baylor is fouling on every possession, call a foul on every possession. You're not going to be able to, if you're getting hand checked and your like hands are getting slapped like the UNC players were uh, against Baylor. You're going to turn the ball over every time. And that's basically what happened in the second half. I think they had 13 second half turnovers. So you you got to call the fouls. And I I just I. Can't believe the ending of that Arizona TCU game where uh, regulation. I'm sorry, not the end of the game. The end of regulation where whoever TCU had the ball, bring up the ball, just got mugged. Like just got straight up mugged, and they called nothing. And if the Arizona player who stole the ball was paying a little closer attention, the game would have ended right there. But uh, he ran out of time on his dunk instead of trying to lay it up or throw a floater. Uh, So yeah, just absolute ref ball, but. Houston has really impressed me so far in this tournament. Uh, a really just dominant win against Illinois. Um, and they are such a good – the Cougars are such a good defensive team. They don't score a ton, but they are so good defensively that a couple offensive spurts throughout the game are going to be enough to carry them to wins on most nights. Uh, they like they played in the uh, AAC, which is not a slouch conference by any stretch. And uh, they, I, I, they beat Memphis I don't know, in the title game. Their only losses this year are Memphis at SMU at Alabama by one point uh, and versus Wisco and um, at Memphis. So two against Memphis and then three against the rest of the country. So this is a really good team. Uh, this is the best team Arizona has seen in the tournament so far, obviously. At least this is, I think this team is as good as UCLA. This is as good of a team as Arizona has seen in a minute here. So I like the Cougars' chances to upset, but at the same time, Arizona just has so much size. They're one seed for a reason. They have uh, a bunch of guys who can score the ball for you. I'm not going to go so far as to say as I predict an upset here, but uh, when you have a guy like Mathurin who's just so dominant, uh, it's it's tough to pick against them. But I think they're in big. If they play the game they played against TCU, they're going to lose, and not by two or three points. They might get blown. They might get blown out if they play the game they played against TCU.
1: Yeah, Nick, I liked your I liked your point about the refs there and kind of the two-sidedness we've seen about it you've seen people you know some refs call every single thing others don't call anything and that brings me like this morning I was watching the infamous video of Bob Knight in, in 1985 throwing the chair onto the court <laughs> I don't know if you guys seen that yeah but I remember but I, I remember him doing that and he got a technical we're like no we got a technical and then did that but like there was a big debate like the refs got together to try to decide if they should throw him out of the game for that and imagine if that happened today, like you it wouldn't even like get a, it; they would just go straight to ejecting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think either, I think either you should let the game be played as the Bob Knight style and like don't call anything or call everything and uh, kind of play the game exactly to the rule book. You don't find some weird thing in between because that's where the ambiguity starts, and we've been seeing a lot of ambiguity in in these games in the tournament. So that's kind of what I have about that. But I, I will say that this. Uh, the upper right is kind of where my bracket is correct. I predicted Arizona and Houston, and I predicted Houston to actually win this game, so I'm going to be sticking with that. I know last week PJ wasn't very fond, fond of Arizona, of Houston. Of Houston yeah, yeah uh, Danny, PJ said last week that uh, Houston should be a bubble team. Yeah, he said that Houston basically shouldn't even be in the tournament. He had him getting upset. But, you know, every every single advanced metric likes, and say what you will about advanced metrics, I I think in some instances it works. Mm-hmm. Like I think in baseball it's it's completely accurate to an extent and yeah. uh, very helpful to build a team around and basketball maybe it's a little bit different but i said it last week houston was number four in the net and they are five seeds so take that how you will i think th- personally that they are were under and we've seen that g- coming in today yeah. so um i still like them in the matchup and i think i remember saying i've been saying it for the past month i don't like arizona i don't think yeah. arizona's played in incredible competition this season and when they have they've They've found roadblocks and uh, have stumbled. I mean, you played TCU to the to the very last to the buzzer. And that's know. a mi- that's a middle of the pack Big 12. Team. Yeah, and that's a team that arguably shouldn't have even been in the tournament. Like if they win, if they lose two two extra games, one extra game, they wouldn't even be in it. But so now you're running kind of into a brick wall, Houston team, and uh, not a brick wall, but a very formidable yeah. Houston. They're in team. trouble. Arizona's yeah.
2: in big trouble. I think the key tomorrow. And what will ultimately decide who advances to the Elite Eight is whether or not Arizona can rebound the basketball. Yeah, they, they could clearly, not. Clearly uh, struggled with that on Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. And although Arizona is the bigger and you know taller team, Houston doesn't have a lot of size, but they are top five in the country in offensive rebounding. So if Houston is able to crash the glass like TCU, I think Houston might re- run Arizona out of the building. I think Arizona clearly has the best player on the floor on the floor and Benedict Mathurin or however you say his last name. Yep. I've been talking about this guy all year. He's a stud, he's a lottery pick, had thirty points on Sunday. As I said, I think having a guard that's the best player on the floor in March goes a long way. So I'm not I'm not gonna come out here and say Houston's gonna blow him out, but I do think Houston's ultimately gonna win the game because I think the athletes of the Houston Cougars are just gonna be able to rebound the ball at a uh a very efficient elite clip tomorrow. Tomorrow evening. Um, I don't think Arizona's going to keep them off the glass. Ultimately, Houston's one of the better defensive teams in all college basketball. I think their on ball pressure will uh, frustrate Arizona tomorrow night. And I think Houston wins in a close one. But as far as it goes for Villanova and who we should be rooting for, Think you got to focus on beating Michigan first. Michigan. I
0: don't think this is a situation where you like. Yeah, should be really I, I rooting agree. for either team. I, I think both I, these. Guys I don't are think really you. Tough. I don't
2: think you're excited about a date with either of these teams.
0: Yeah. It's not like during Michigan and Tennessee where I I was Michigan, 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 Michigan. I like. I know Denny. You're not super duper high on the Vols, but they won the SEC for a reason. They beat Kentucky for a reason. They won all those games for a reason. And I didn't want to have to face them a second time. So I was. Very big on Michigan. I I don't really think I would be pulling for either team too hard. Uh, should Villanova
2: win? Um, yeah, but I'm gonna take Houston in a close one.
0: Let's get like a triple overtime game where like yeah, they got, everybody's got to play tank. 45
2: minutes. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> triple <laughs>
0: overtime. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, so speaking of not being able to rebound, that's kind of a great natural segue into Gonzaga. Just really two really under. Performing games, I know they won both, and you take what you and you don't complain about wins, on the one, at any line, let alone even the one line. Just ask Baylor against UNC, but uh, against Georgia State, Georgia State, they couldn't rebound. They were giving up offensive rebound after offensive rebound, after offensive rebound. And I said to my friends I was watching the game with, if this was anybody, if this was like any like actual serious tournament team. Gonzaga would have been 15 points at halftime because they just could not get an offensive rebound. They could not get a defensive rebound to save their lives. And they couldn't really rebound against Memphis either. They were down 10 in the first half. Uh, did come back to win the game. But uh, as I predicted, Memphis was a tough one there for the Zags. Have another good opponent in Arkansas coming up here. But uh, they have to be better on the glass. And I am shocked that they struggle so much considering that uh, with the pairing of Holmgren and Timmy of with getting rebounds. I mean, Chet's... like. Checking like touch rim basically standing, yeah. and he's not he's not like one of these like unathletic bigs. He's like very <laughs> athletic. Yeah.
2: Um, I think tomorrow I'm gonna be. I'm one of those people that you know respects Gonzaga as a program and don't call them Mickey Mouse or whatever nonsense people say and don't play anyone blah 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 and watch them get exposed in the tournament, blah, blah, blah. So I, I I eventually want Gonzaga and Mark Few to get over the hump and actually win a national championship. So I'm probably going to be rooting for them tomorrow, but I've been very high on Arkansas over the past two seasons. And the 9.5 points I think is way too much. I think Arkansas is going to cover that. And, you know, I know people are going to – Gonzaga is clearly the best team, blah, blah, blah. Like I would not count Arkansas out of this game by any stretch. They are – a very, very good basketball team, and they got off to a very slow start. The past two th- like two and a half months of the season, they were one of the best teams in the country. So I don't think Gonzaga wants any part of Arkansas, but ultimately I think Chet and Drew Timmy are the two best players on the floor. Um, so I'm going to take the Zags in a close one, but I kind of feel soft making that pick because I really want to take Arkansas in an upset. But I just think, I think Gonzaga's... I think they're getting back to the Final Four.
0: Yeah. One thing I've noticed. I, uh, sorry, sorry to cut yeah, you no, off there, ahead, Johns, But uh, I, I think, I the way Gonzaga has been playing, Texas Tech would beat them if they played today. One hundred percent. I love the Red Raiders. They defend so well. Memphis. Sorry, continue.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing that I was just going to say was that this year in particular, the one seeds all seem kind of vulnerable. Like no one really s- stands out particularly. Like you, sometimes you would have a team that would just, you know, they're going to be making it to the Final Four completely, but. In this case, I mean, Arizona, we just talked about them. Gonzaga has not looked great. Baylor's already out. And Kansas is, they got a pretty easy draw, and they didn't beat Creighton by all that much. Nope. And now, I mean, Kansas basically has, if they beat Providence, they kind of have a bye to the Final Four playing a 10 or 11 seed. But, you know, I'm not. I'm completely unconvinced on Kansas. They can definitely lose that game if they play it. So it's just, it's it's really up for grabs this tournament. That's one thing I've noticed, and I uh, kind of just love to see it.
2: Yeah. The Gonzaga down 10 at half. I mean, you guys know I've been very high on Memphis, so I wanted Memphis to play anyone. Like, give Memphis a date with Kansas. Memphis would run them out of the gym. So I'm upset that Memphis had to play Gonzaga, but Memphis showed how, you know, they're a good basketball team, and they were peaking at the right time. Penny Hardaway had them running. Um, I think uh, the AAC is a-, a good conference that a lot of people are sleeping on. That's one of the major reasons why I'm taking Houston to win tomorrow night, but sticking to the Gonzaga game. I think it's going to be a hell of a game, and I think the 9.5 points is too much. I, I, I think it's going to come down to the end, and I like the Zags in a close one. Yep. Nicholas, yeah, I, John, wait, you like Zags also, John?
1: In this game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like, hard to bet against. Cause even if, even though we've seen them yeah. be vulnerable, I think they're still the best team in this tournament yeah. right now.
0: I like the Zags in the close one as well, but I'm actually going to flip on my bracket here, and I, say, I think you say they're going to lose to Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. In my bracket, I have them cutting them all down. So, uh, yeah, they have not impressed me so far. And God, I was just thinking to mention John points, John's point to your point about Kansas. And I know that Villanova wasn't a one seed, but just that if you put Villanova in Kansas's path for a second, Texas Southern first round, two conference opponents uh, in Creighton and Providence that you've um, beaten multiple times, and then uh, either a 10 or an 11 seed in the Elite Eight. That's ugh, my Lord. Anyway, uh, I think it's time that we got to the bell of the ball, Cinderella. Of course, the St. Peter's Peacocks of Central Jersey shocking the world and taking down uh, uh, Oscar North Shibwe East. and Kentucky in the first round before uh, really handling Murray State. They, they never trailed in the game uh, to set up a uh, really difficult matchup with Purdue there in the Sweet 16. Uh, what's impressed you guys so, m- most so far in this tournament? about the Peacocks?
2: Honestly, the most impressive thing is winning the game in overtime. As soon as – against Kentucky. As soon as St. Peter's didn't close that out in regulation, I think overtime clearly favors the better team. And I was just like, hell of a run, St. Peter's. Way to give Kentucky a run. But I really didn't see any way they were going to win. And then Kentucky jumped off to – I think they were up like four points early on in overtime. St. Peter's obviously clawed back, so – I was just very impressed with with that aspect of their run. But also, as you said, Murray State. I mean, clearly there's no argument there that they're a top 25 team in America. Um, they were one of the hottest teams in the country. I think they'd won like 18 or 19 in a row. So to be able to take them down, I think by double digits, wire to wire is very yeah. impressive. Um, I mean, I, I saw some s- stuff on Barstool that like St. Peter's, the, their program, like their pra- their. Uh, weight room They weren't allowed To blast music While they were Weight lifting Because The philosophy 101 class Was literally Right behind them <laughs> And then uh, In their practice gym Someone shot a jumper And the rim fell off <laughs> So um, Just very impressed With St. Peter's As I said I hate the Big Ten So I'm a big St. Peter's fan On uh, Friday night So hopefully they can Beat down on Purdue But unfortunately I don't think St. Peter's Has anyone that's going to Be able to guard Jaden
1: Ivy. Yeah. So it's gonna be tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're gonna have enough trouble with uh, Edie down low, yeah, just trying ED, to cover yeah, that yep. size, and then you have, yeah, sure. or probably the best guard in, in college right now going up against you too. So I mean, you can, if you can handle Shibway, I mean, that's one. Yeah, thing. Yeah, seriously. But then if you if you throw in Jaden Ivy into the mix, it's it's yeah. a little too much. So cool. this is a, a fifteen has never gone further than this. No, 16, been, right? mm, it's There's a, only only the it was three times. It. Yeah, it was Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, or Roberts, Oral Roberts last year yeah.
0: and uh, St. Peter's this year.
1: Yeah, I I love the thing that was yeah. like Kentucky literally spends twelve and a half times yeah. more on basketball more than good. St. Peter's.
0: And I mean like I like I know like they beat Sheboy's team, but that game was like literally Sheboy saying someone please anyone help me. He had thirty points, sixteen rebounds, shot uh, o- over sixty five percent from the floor, and then uh, Keon Brooks t- two of seven, eight points. Washington two of ten five points wheeler four of eight eleven points and Grady one of nine eight points <laughs> or the other starters so uh real quick math there uh he almost outscored the other four starters combined and uh I th- shot about thirty percentage points better than the rest of them as well so uh I think it's I think if Edie or Edie and Ivy play like even okay that's gonna be a little too much for these guys but Unbelievable job. Hats off to them, as everyone's mentioned. Um, I mean, listen, don't give them a chance against Kentucky, so why not? Why why can't they beat St. Peter's? I I mean, they they are St. Peter's. Why can't they beat Purdue? So who's – but, yeah, I I love the quote from their coach that uh, we're five guys from New York and New Jersey. We're not afraid of anybody.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Let's go, Jersey. Let's go. (laughs) I'm looking through their roster right now, and they have two guys from – they're both from Senegal, and they both went to the Patrick School, which is the same school that Kyrie Irving went to hmm. on the roster. Yeah, so maybe they have a pipeline to Senegal <laughs> starting yeah. to form. Yeah,
0: when yeah. Daniel, your point when Kentucky takes the lead with 49 seconds left, like you're thinking, okay, good try. And then they tie the game, force overtime. Yeah, down four in overtime. Okay, good try. Win the game. Yeah. So I this team is not out until they're out, out until it hits triple zeros and their season's over. Yeah. So uh, I I I want to see them give Purdue a game. I want to see them scrap, claw, and fight as they have been. So we'll see. Hopefully they continue to do so.
2: Should we move on to – we forgot about Texas Tech Duke. Should we move on?
0: We will move on to that uh, after this, the top of the hour station ID. Villanova University's WXVU Villanova online at
1: wxvu.villanova.edu on air at 89.1 on your fm dial or stream us anytime anywhere on the radio
2: fx app
0: this is father peter and you're listening to the 89.1 the roar
1: medicaid and chip offer free or low-cost health coverage for children and teens Hospital and doctor visits, prescriptions, shots, and more are covered. That's peace of mind for parents if a child is sick or gets injured. And parents may now be eligible for Medicaid, too, even if they've applied in the past. Enrollment is always open. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
0: All right, we're back. Texas Tech and Duke. Uh, Duke was an absolute... Uh, War with uh, Tom Izzo for the last time. Those uh, ma- last time matchup between Izzo and Coach K, the most matchups in the tournament by any two coaches. I believe that was their sixth game, yeah, uh, in the tournament against one another. Uh, and uh, Coach K's group really uh, showed a lot of fight down the stretch uh, and uh, winning that game against a quality Michigan State opponent. However, um, I want to say this: a lot of uh, a lot of um, analysts were saying that. Duke was showed like a championship like the, like the freshman grew up there and like championship medal and all that. Um no. <laughs> like obviously impressive to win that game. It's a good opponent, but it's it's Michigan State. They had a bunch of really embarrassing losses in the middle of the season that had them down to a seven-line. And I, like, I don't think that's like them growing up, quote-unquote, and the freshmen are no longer freshmen. No, they're still freshmen. And it has never been more disadvantageous, disadvantageous to be a freshman in the tournament than it has been in this tournament where the entire field is so old and so experienced due to COVID. So I don't think they've grown up, quote-unquote, and uh, blossomed into a championship twi- team, quote-unquote. Um, but I don't want to detract from the impressive win there against Michigan State.
2: Um, yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with Duke down the stretch because Michigan State, Michigan State kept throwing punch after punch after punch. And uh, Paolo bonquero just was the best player on the floor for the entire game. And down the stretch, he was uh, pretty much unguardable. Um, it was a phenomenal basketball game. Both teams really played well. Um, everyone talks about the NBA and elite shot making. I thought there was some pretty good shot making in that game. Uh, to get you an exact... Um, Stats, uh, yeah, Duke shot 57% from the field. Uh, Michigan State shot 50% from three. Uh, So not a lot of turnovers in this game, both. Duke had 10, Michigan State had seven. Um, It was pretty close the entire way, but a nice win for Duke. But As far as the Texas Tech game goes, Texas Tech is known for being one of – they're probably the best defensive team in all of college basketball. Number one Ken Palm. Very physical. Uh, they can rebound the ball. Uh, their big guy had, I think, 15 points and 15 rebounds against Notre Dame, but also Notre Dame's weakness is, is rebounding. A lot of te- Vegas obviously likes Texas Tech. They're favored to win. I feel like a lot of people are uh, kind of on tex- Texas Tech um, this season and specifically uh, this tournament. But I'm going to take Duke in this one. Uh, I haven't been that high on Duke from the middle of the season to the end. I kind of just – I thought the ACC was kind of – just They were kind of coasting through a, a, a weaker ACC this year But I mean If you want any coach in March Madness I think you want to want Mike Krzyzewski has more tournament wins than any coach In the history of the sport um, I know it's his last dance So all the Duke players are going to want to go out And win, one for Co- win a title for Coach K I don't know if Duke has, is a championship team But I do think they're going to set up A potential game of the year With
1: Gonzaga yeah, yeah.
2: in the Elite Eight So I'm going to take Duke in a close one
1: yeah, I like Texas Tech in this one, actually. Um, Duke, at times, at their worst, I'm throwing it back to, I guess, the UNC game because that was one of the biggest moments when they lost to UNC. Um, a lot of the time, especially Paolo Banchero, even though he is a very good player, very talented, he's probably going to be a top-five NBA draft pick, he does have freshman moments sometimes. Um, down the stretch, He, he, he his shot choice... Uh, especially in the last two minutes or sometimes a little bit questionable i've noticed watching duke um uh he's he turns the ball over at a little bit of a higher clip than i would like to see out of you know your number one player and texas tech people say that you know they're they're all defense they're one of the greatest defensive teams probably in the entire tournament but um their offense is a little bit iffy i mean they put up 97 in the first game and uh, albeit they put up 56 or whatever in the next one, they still a very good, even underrated offense. And Duke, their their defense isn't great. It's probably middle of the pack. I mean, so I, I just kind of like Texas Tech's look in this game. I think that they are, are one of the more underrated teams, even though they are a three seed. I think that they have the potential to make the final four even. Yeah. So I, I'm not sold on Duke completely this year. I, I, I like your po- your point, Nick, about the experience mm-hmm. and um, the thing with – and I think Kentucky completely ran into an older team in St. Yeah. Peter's. Yeah. And, like, that's a, obviously an, extre- an extreme example, but this yeah. is, like, a good team versus a good team, but yeah. one team's a little bit older. Yeah.
2: I saw a stat that Texas Tech's average starter is 22 and Duke's average starter is 19.
0: Yeah, and uh, Texas Tech has, I think, transfers from five different schools on their roster, so these are guys that have really – been around all aspects of college basketball. And I like Texas Tech to win this game for a lot of reasons that John mentioned. I've, if they're not the best defensive team in the country, they're certainly up there. They're certainly right there. And uh, Duke is just, they're not a good three point shooting team. Bancaro, their best player, shoots only 32% from the floor. Uh, they have a couple guys. Uh, Wendell Moore can shoot it really well. And um, AJ Griffin uh, is shooting a blistering 45.5%. From three, but as a team, like their their primary guys other than those two guys can't shoot the three ball. Vancaro's under thirty two percent. Trevor Keels is under thirty two percent. Jeremy Roach, who I believe is their sixth man, is at thirty four percent. They're just they don't have guys and that's that's a lot of what college basketball is now is how well can you shoot the three. And I don't think they're gonna shoot the three ball well enough to hang with Texas Tech in this one. Give me the Red Raiders.
2: All right. Well we disagree. We'll check back next week and And find out (laughs) find out. Yeah. Um, But I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. As soon as I saw that matchup. If if Texas Tech wasn't in Notre Dame's region, I probably would have picked them to go to the Final Four. Texas Tech is one of the teams that I've had my eye on all season as a potential national championship team. I think they're that good. um, And they're obviously, as Nick said, very experienced. I believe one of their players is a transfer from Oral Roberts. So he went on that run last year to the Sweet 16. But you guys both made very good points about Texas Tech. I think... um, as I've said multiple times, just on this show tonight, I just think having a guard that is the best player on the floor in Paolo Banquero goes a long way. And I think as long as he has a good game, I like Duke in a close one. But it's going to be f- yeah. hopefully, hopefully, Vill- hopefully, Villanova wraps up a W before the start of that game, so we can lock in for
1: Texas Tech. That Duke. is fair. Yeah. And I thought that one thing with Texas Tech going into this season, like they lost their coach Chris Beard, and I thought that he was a great coach. Phenomenal. And you see him, you see him on Texas right now. I mean. Under Shaka Smart, I don't think Texas won a tournament game. They yeah. did, it. but now you know I, they yeah. take down Virginia Tech, who you know you're you're supposed to win that game. It's six over eleven, but a ton of people were taking Virginia Tech, and yeah. no one liked you because you were Texas in the tournament. You didn't prove that you can win, but yeah. you went in and, and you beat them pretty convincingly. Yeah. And then you run into Purdue, and like that's a whole different thing. But I think they're in a like Texas is in a pretty good spot. But I mean Texas Tech, I guess it's program culture now. It's kind of built in, like ever since. Um, that they were in the championship against Virginia, right? I mean, since uh, who
2: Texas Tech? That Texas was the national Tech, championship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the national championship Adam game.
1: Since that, since that game, been. I mean, they've looked like an. Virginia should have
0: lost so many times in that tournament. That's kind of the nature of the tournament. But the one that really sticks out to me is the incorrect call in the Auburn game, that would have won me my bracket pool, and I'm still bitter to this day. <laughs>
1: Sorry, continue. No, I've said kind of what I got to say yeah. there. Speaking of Chaka, Chaka Smart.
2: smart um, Marquette looked awesome on on Friday. Yeah,
1: they was, really really fought hard. Showed
2: up ready to play. Um, yep. So I like Marquette against uh, against um, <laughs> uh, against Kentucky on yeah. Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, they, they would uh, have
0: yeah they would have been playing Baylor. Um, Sh- I know Shaka Smart rightfully deserves a ton of credit for being the VCU coach to take that team first four to Final Four, but these are his last tournament six tournament results. Lost to 13 seed, lost to 10 seed, lost to 11 seed, lost to 7 seed, lost to 14 seed, lost to 8 seed. And those are all the first games, I believe, that he appeared in. So six straight losses to no team seeded above seven. And uh, four of those six are double digits. And I know that, obviously, like first four to final four is unbelievably impressive. But at the same time, how many tournament games in a row is this guy going to have to lose before you realize that maybe something is up here?
2: Yeah, coaching in the tournaments a different breed than coaching in the regular season. Got to, I mean, quick turnaround. Got to be able to pre- prepare your team on a short notice against a team that's you know you're used to just drilling in conference play, playing all these teams in your conference all season long, and obviously in your conference tournament. And you just got to flip the switch and go on and play a completely different style of basketball, and it's tough. And maybe Shock is not a uh, NCAA tournament caliber coach, but you also do see a lot of coaches that struggle like shotgun, and then end up
1: figuring out and turning around so
2: I I wouldn't count count him out just yet
1: yeah his culture's interesting to say the least in the in the program I mean dude's on his hands and knees coaching the game and then um like I remember when Marquette came to the pavilion and beat us this year like he acted like he literally won the lottery or something yeah after that game like he was it wasn't
0: even after winning the game it was like during cutting the the lead to to two with six minutes left it it looked like going
1: crazy yeah and imagine Jay Wright going onto the floor and doing that and yeah, like, th- and can't. thinking we're as... We would be nowhere near to the program that we are right now no. historically no. if Jay Wright kind of acted like that no, with his teams. No. So, you know, it's it, it's one thing to play for those regular season games and be like, oh, we beat Villanova, we beat Villanova. And then, okay, you can beat us and then get bounced by 32. In the 32
0: game. to a uh, middle-of-the-pack ACC team and a below-average year for that conference. Congrats, yeah. guys.
1: And I, I mean... And then Jay Wright will go and beat Kansas in the regular season, then act like it's like, just like there's still work to be game. done.
0: There's still work to be done. Yeah, Shaka Smart. Yeah, this. Shaka Smart reacted more intensely to cutting the lead to two with six minutes to go in a regular season game in February than Jay Wright did to a national championship buzzer beater. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that tells you all you need to say about those two coaches.
2: He's passionate. I don't care what you get. I mean, yeah. I there's understand. a
0: difference. There's a difference between passionate, like, like a night. Bob Knight's passion—I well, Bob- don't know if Bob Knight's the best example there, buddy, uh, choking out one of his players. Kevin Willard is passionate. Dan and, Hurley. Uh, d- 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 I meant Dan Hurley, not Kevin Willard, excuse me. I mixed up my Big East opponents there. Dan Hurley's passionate, and besides the game where he was wrongfully ejected against Villanova, I think he toes the line pretty well. But it's not—he's not—, he's not Two-thirds of the way to center court, screaming, jumping up and down on every single play. He doesn't make one of his assistant coaches' entire job to be, hold up a little whiteboard I that like says that. number of deflections.
1: I mean, think of the elite coaches, like recent coaches. You yeah. Coach K, like Coach Cal, Roy Williams. Like Coach Cal
2: is insane, by the way.
1: He know? doesn't go—he's not like Shaka smart, though. Uh, yeah. like he, he He's like— like Jay knows the, the the culture like in his program and yeah, And Jay's and Jay's not Calipari calm, by, Jay's not calm yeah, not, by the way. Have you seen the way he treats the rest? He's not calm. But there's a different there's a difference between like being calm and and acting like a like you're a dog on the floor. <laughs> like when you're when you're playing a team and cutting a lead to. <laughs> yeah. two. So like yeah. Like there's a there's I don't know. You, he, you
0: expect some level of reservation, some level of cool. Yeah, I I don't, don't want to sound I don't want to sound like the old guy. Oh, there's no,
1: you can't have fun as a coach. Nah. Like yeah. Like there's there's a there's a time and a place for it. And I I've, think
0: I think there's a way to toe the line yeah. between passion and just like abs like like in, like you you're a coach, your your goal is to win championships, and while. Like the, cutting the lead to 2 at Villanova is a big play. The, the
1: Houston coach, the Houston yeah. coach, he's all business on the floor, but then you see him in the locker room after with his shirt off dancing with the team. I yeah. think that's I think that's different the from Mi- Shaka the Miami coach that uh the,
0: the the Miami coach, yeah, was his Jim Lareaga? Yeah, that watching him dance uh with, yeah. by the way, that quote that he had about uh not the entire country not wanting to see Charles Barkley without his shirt on. Yeah. Uh, was <laughs> hilarious. Funny. Uh but yeah. I am not a shock a smart guy clearly. And uh, clearly the NCAA tournament isn't a shocker, smart guy either because uh, that's six straight times he's been shown the door there immediately. So uh, moving on, uh, I still – I don't know, about Danny, I think you're out. Are you out of Final Four teams? Or, no, I still have Nova. Uh, still have
1: Nova. John, how many do you have left? I have – let's see. I had Gonzaga, Purdue, and then Nova, Iowa. So I've got three.
0: You got three left. I also have three. I have Gonzaga, Kentucky, Kentucky. Uh, Great job, Peacocks. I'm not even, I'm honestly not even mad. Like, that's awesome. The, the central Jersey, uh, the, yep. the uh, C- Jersey City school, um, beat the, uh, the big bad Kentucky Wildcats, Nova, and Kansas. So I still have three. So, guys, do you want to try and update our final fours here based on that's, who's left?
2: I think we cover the last three Elite Eight games before. The last
0: three Elite Eight games? Yeah. Quickly. Quickly? Okay, go ahead. Just
2: Providence, Kansas, Iowa State, Miami. You mean Sweet 16? Or Yeah, sorry, Sweet 16. Okay,
0: yep. Yeah. Kansas, Providence. Um, Providence has, uh, Surprised me so far in this tournament. I know they've played South Dakota State and Richmond, but my critique for the entire season has been Providence has played the level of their opponent. That has not been the case so far in the tournament. They have played way above the level of their opponent, and they've cruised to two pretty comfortable victories as a result. Uh, Kansas, on the other hand, had a real tough time against Creighton. Creighton was fighting with them the entire way, uh, but that's what Creighton does. They fight, but they were, they were dinged up. They were without their 7-footer, uh, I think, for most of like, for Kansas? most Kansas? No, 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 no uh, Creighton. Oh,
2: Creighton, yeah. Two of their starters.
0: Two of their starters uh, missed time in that game. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I really like Providence chances to win this game. If you, if you asked me this question last week, I would have laughed at you. But uh, just so, seeing how they've played so far, really like Providence. But I don't know, something with Kansas and in, in Bill Self in March is that they just kind of fall backwards in these situations that are really advantageous towards them. So I would not be surprised if Kansas – I'm going to pick Kansas – but I think the game's going to be a lot closer than it would have been if you had asked me this a week ago.
2: I despise Kansas basketball, and I have been very high on Providence for. Uh, obviously, they won the Big East, but my point about annoying Villanova fans around here is that, uh, yeah, as both of them do, the air quotes. Villanova is Jay Wright is God. He cannot be criticized. Villanova is the best program in the world they're the best just 100 excellence and that infuriates me so when people from villanova say providence sucks they're winning every close game no is a w there's no pictures on a scorecard so everyone says villanova would clap providence villanova played phenomenal in both games against providence and barely survived providence is a very good basketball team Everyone, the hottest upset pick of all time was South Dakota State beating Providence. I had Providence my Sweet 16. Unfortunately, I had the Aztecs taking them down now. Because I had the <laughs> Kansas Candace got lucky because the Aztecs would have beat them because uh, Creighton wasn't two missing, two starters missing, and the game came down in the end. Kansas is a fraudulent program. Um, I'm going to take Providence in an upset. I'm definitely taking this, the plus seven and a half. Um, the game is, I believe, in Chicago, so... In the Midwest, Kansas is going to have – I mean, Kansas' fan base is obviously humongous, so I feel like they're going to have a ton of fans there. But this is also Providence. This is their – I mean, the Big East was probably their Super Bowl, and they let them down. But a game in the Sweet 16, this doesn't come around very often for Providence, so I feel like they're going to pack it as well. Um, I think of Providence, uh, Austin Reeves and uh, Durham and Bynum can be making their shots. What's their white guy's name? Do you guys know?
0: Uh, Horsler? Yep. Horsler,
2: yeah. If they're knocking down shots, I feel like they're going to be tough to tough to beat. Um, I hate Kansas so much that I can't pick them, so I'm just going to take Providence with my heart. But the best part about this is next year – Come November, when we look up the Associated Press preseason poll, the Jayhawks will be right there. Number three. Number one, number two, number three. And here comes Kansas and Dickie V. Oh, Bill Selfie's the greatest, baby. Kansas Allen Fieldhouse put it on the bucket list, baby. Big 12 basketball, baby. (laughs) That's
0: that's pretty good impression. Yeah,
2: actually. That'll be coming next year. Oh,
0: baby, diaper dandy.
2: Yeah, makes me sick. So go (laughs) Friars on Friday night. Yep. Little Biggie's pride. I like it. Yeah, that. I
1: mean, I'll be rooting for Providence. So I don't know. Seven and a half seems like a lot. I yeah, agree I you, agree Danny. with that. So um, I'm not going to take Providence. I'm still going to take Kansas, but I think whoever wins that game is probably going to, like, they're the better team than both Iowa State and Miami. I think Miami's actually going to win that game if we're kind of moving to that. I mean, Iowa State played two programs that are kind of flailing right now. I mean, LSU doesn't have a coach, Wisconsin lost like their last 3 games before going in the tournament and mm-hmm. kind of scraped by Colgate.
0: Yeah, I I'm still mad about that cuz I 100% would have picked Colgate to win that game if it was it was a true home game. Like it a home home game. That was that was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh and Colgate's this little school from the northeast with that I don't know, I don't know if they have that many fans to go travel, but uh yeah, Iowa State huge win for them there and then Miami just kind of dominating Auburn. I know Auburn was cold going into the tournament, but I did not see that result coming.
2: I like the Canes in this one. Um, I had them in the Elite Eight in my bracket. I think the ACC for – I'm a big, humongous ACC fan. Love love them as a basketball uh, conference. But I will even admit this year and last year they've been down, more so this year. But um, I thought the ACC was going to have a good tournament, and I think Miami is a is a, – is they're, they're a good basketball team. I think they're a little under as a 10-seed. They're good on both sides of the ball, uh, offense and defense. Charlie Moore, I don't know if you guys remember, he was the point guard from DePaul. He transferred. He's a yeah, stud. Yeah. He's a he's a winner. He'll make plays down the stretch in a close game. I think um, Iowa State kind of just fell off the face of the earth. They were, I think they got pretty close to the top ten, if not in the top ten at one point. I think point they might spin, have. They were nine or eight. I think losing and yeah. losing and losing and losing, and obviously they picked it up uh, at the right time with a couple nice wins in the, in the tournament, but. I do like Miami in this one. Um, I particularly don't know how close it's going to be. I I think Miami might blow them out. I really like the Canes. Jim Laranega is one of my favorite coaches in all of college basketball. He took George Mason to the Final Four. I know that was like 15 years ago, but (laughs) I still always talk about that. That's one of my trivia questions when I ask people about Jim Laranega. But I'm going to take the Canes uh, by double digits. John, you also said you liked Miami. Yeah, unless like you Miami. got a prediction.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep my analysis. I, well, I don't disagree with what a lot you said, Daniel. I'm gonna keep my analysis pretty simple on here. This is a classic matchup of great offense against great defense, and I think more often than not, the great defense wins. So I'm gonna take the Iowa State Cyclones in an upset over the Miami Hurricanes to go to the lead eight, and uh, I just wanted to say the turnaround. As you mentioned, they were kind of knocking on the door of the top ten. Uh, They have won two games in the tournament this season. They won two games. That's very impressive. Two games. Not two games in the tournament, two games. They played, however, 30 games. They won two of them last year. And uh, now they're one of the last 16 teams left in the country. They were ranked for a good chunk of the year. Uh, Just took down Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, I think that, um, like I said, the Miami offense has been, looked unstoppable against Auburn, but the Cyclone defense is just absolutely suffocating. Uh, they do. Sh- they struggle to score, and if they do lose, I think that's what's going to get them. But uh, I just simple. I think good offense more often than not beats good defense. I like the Cyclones. Oh, okay. I read. I also read good somewhere, defense beats good offense. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I read somewhere. I think this is the. It, it was either since the 90s or since the year 2000, but this is the first natural disaster team yeah. matchup. So the Cyclones versus the Hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's in like 20 years. So yeah. Like, Our friend. Shout out kinda to kinda Caleb cool. McCurdy for speaking this matchup into
0: existence. Uh, Cyclones versus Hurricanes. He was very big on this from the start of the tournament.
1: Nicholas, my
2: computer just died, so can you look this up for me? But is Iowa State, uh, their coach, is he in his uh, first year, second year? Uh, I
0: mean, I think it's hard to keep your coach after you win two games, so we'll see.
2: Regardless, yeah. um, whoever their head coach is should be Big 12 Coach of the Year if they give it to big, uh, Bill Self, which I assume they well, That's a joke. But whoever Iowa State's head coaches deserves Coach of the Year. But
1: it's his first year. First year, yeah. You twenty twenty one to present. Yeah, he needs. He was to be- UNLV's coach before yeah. this. Okay,
2: he has to be Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Moving on to our last Sweet Sixteen matchup, which I think, outside of probably, I mean, obviously Villanova, and then the Duke Texas Tech, this is what I'm most excited for: Tar Heels of North Carolina versus the Bruins of UCLA. Uh, I also think. I said Kansas is fraud, fraudulent. I think UCLA also frauds. I have not been high on them all season. Uh, I think Armando, Armando Baycott, the big man on North Carolina, will be the best player on the floor. That's right, not Johnny Juzang or who's their other guy? Jaime Hacquez. Jaime Hawkes, no. Push them aside. My name's Armando Baycott, and I'm here to mess stuff up. I'm coming to the Elite Eight. So I like North Carolina. I like the Heels, the games in, in Philadelphia. Um I'm looking to try to get a ticket to this game. Hope because just because I I like passionate fan bases and the tar tar heel chant is probably my favorite in all of sports. Maybe outside of go green, go white, Michigan State. So I'm gonna take the heels in this one. I'm uh, UCLA's favored by two and a half. I'm gonna take the Tar Heels by double digits. I think. North Carolina is just going to dominate the offensive glass. They're going to push those Los Angeles pretty boy Pac-12 boys around, show them what real (laughs) basketball is like in in the ACC. And I think North Carolina wins this game fairly easily. And – I will be very happy to, to see this happen if it does because UCLA is just started off preseason top five just like Villanova and just haven't really beaten Met- – I mean, they did beat Arizona once, but – They beat Nova. Nova, but like that was – I feel like Nova losing more than UCLA winning. I have not been big on UCLA all year. I like the heels. What about you guys? Um, I
0: agree with everything you said about not being big on UCLA. This team really struggles. Jaime Jaquez – has been really disappointing for me this season. I've only, I know his stats are pretty good. I, but I've watched two of his games, wire to wire, against Villanova, and then I believe the Arizona State. Both lo, uh, lost in the Arizona State game. I was not impressed at all. He doesn't score efficiently. Um, he doesn't create great looks for himself, and he, the difficult shots he takes, he doesn't make an exceptional clip. But I am gonna go with UCLA for two main reasons. One, is Balbekat is a phenomenal player. He is. Not a good free throw shooter, and that very nearly cost them the game against Baylor. His poor free throw shooting—I think he was something like seven of fourteen, seven of fifteen—in that game. And uh, no one, no one on Carolina shoots above forty percent from three. The only one, there's one guy who, like uh, Anthony Harris, who's like shooting a blistering sixty percent from three, but he barely plays, and I, th- I think he's actually hurt. But uh, none of their starters shoot above forty percent. No rotational players shoot above forty percent. So I think uh, shooting from two, uh, shooting from behind two lines—the free throw line and the three-point line—what's going to doom the heels and send UCLA to lead Eight?
1: Yeah, I think it's 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 a toss-up in my opinion. Um, but I'm I'm going to go with UCLA just because I I have it in my bracket, and I also think that UNC is just kind of out of steam. I think they've Kind of used up all their good wins this year. I know that's just a, it's a stupid analysis, but you kind of need stupid analysis sometimes in this tournament because you know you could pick St. Peter's for the same exact <laughs> reason over Kentucky, and like there's no reason to even analyze that game. Like there's no way you could ever predict that in a hundred years. But um, I, I agree with all your points, and uh, it's going to be a very close game. I don't think I don't think that UNC is going to completely run away with it. Like they showed they were vulnerable against Baylor, but then again UCLA is also. A little overrated. I think we all kind of agree with that, and they have been since the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to go with UCLA over the higher, just being the higher seed.
2: Also, Caleb Love, North Carolina's point guard. I think he's a very good player. He is very... Hasn- right. Hasn't had a uh, monster season by any stretch, but I think uh, guard play wins in March, and having him on your teams c- it can take you a long way. And then also, their three-point specialist, what is his name? Oh, uh, my God. Why am I blanking on this? I'm trying to look it up, but uh, whatever. And he's number 44, white guy with the headband. He can shoot. Brady, oh, yeah. Brady or something. Bra- Brady, Manick or Brady, Brady Manick. Brady Manick. Yeah, Brady he's been Manick. really good for yeah. them. he's good. So if he's knocking down shots, stretching the four for North Carolina, yeah. I mean, they can pretty much just play beach volleyball because UCLA is <laughs> not going to rebound over yeah. Baycott. He's, I think he averages like 15, 16 yeah, boards 15. a game. Yeah, and I think yeah, they got their hands full. Obviously, I like heels yeah. big.
0: Ma- getting ejected was what turned the oh Baylor my game. Oh God, yeah. But uh, yeah, the the I will say the three halves, three and a half halves that he Manic has played. I think uh, UNC's like up a cumulative sixty points, so they've certainly been playing really well. Uh, we'll see how much that momentum carries over weekend to weekend. But uh, I st- I still am gonna pick by my stand by my U C L A pick, but uh, I think it'll be another close one.
2: I was at the North Carolina-Virginia ACC uh, quarterfinal last – or two weeks ago. And that was one of the most – I get it, Virginia's not a great team, but not terrible. That was one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen. And ever since then, I've been like, all right, I'm picking North Carolina for my (laughs) bracket. So, yeah, it should be – these games should hopefully knock on wood. They're as – everybody knock on wood. Nicholas, John, hopefully they're as exciting as – the first and second round. We got in the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. But most importantly, hopefully Nova takes care of business. Yep. Punch, yes, your, sir. punch the ticket to New Orleans. Got to focus on Michigan first. Uh, should be a good game tomorrow night. Hopefully, the environment on campus, everyone's going crazy. Um, we'll see what happens. I switched my test from tom- tomorrow evening so that I'm able to watch the game. Yep. Um, let's go, Cats.
0: Baby. Let's go, Cats. And uh, I great last note. Just want to say our trip to New York was so much fun. Why not take a trip to New Orleans and see what happens? So, let's go, Cats. Thank you all for listening. Uh, For John, for Danny, Uh, we'll be right back here next week, uh, breaking down this last weekend, uh, the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, hopefully talking about a Villanova Final Four matchup. But again, knock on wood, got a lot of business to take care of first. So, for Danny, for John, this is Nick. Game time sports, where it's always game time. Go Cats!